my friend sent me this like video of them talking about their their co-parenting dynamic and she's like essentially saying you know this is this is what all step families should should strive for right like this is all what everyone should try to do and I was like it's you know I don't want to distract from the beauty of this co-parenting dynamic that they've been able to develop, but it's so unrealistic for the vast majority of step families that it's like, when we see examples like this, it almost like creates shame because it's like, what am I doing wrong? I'm trying so hard. All I want is what's best for the kids. I just want to raise a good person. I just want to be this ex-partner's friend. What am I doing wrong as the step mom? Where would you take your life if you knew you could not fail? I get it. As a stepmom, mom, and entrepreneur, sometimes it can feel like what everyone else expects of you versus what you dream about for yourself are on opposite ends of the spectrum. As a woman, you're taught from a very young age what society thinks you're worth based on how you look, how you behave, and how much money you're allowed to bring in but I'm here to show you that you can be the woman who has it all and not just on the outside. I'm Brittany Lynch and you are the queen of your castle. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Queen of Your Castle podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Lynch, and I'm so excited I can barely contain myself because today we're having a conversation with the one and only Beth from The Inclusive Stepmom. And we've been chatting for a long time I love her platinum hair she's one of my faves and I'm so happy that she's here on the show today to tell you all about her and her experience so as a certified step-parent coach Beth has supported thousands of stepmoms through articles group coaching support forums one-to-one coaching webinars panels and podcasts She spent her life learning to thrive in step-family dynamics from the age of four. Three stepfathers, one stepbrother, two stepsisters, some parental alienation, a high-conflict adolescence, and multiple divorces didn't fully prepare her for stepmotherhood. Interesting. But it did lay the foundation for her desire to help. Beth specializes in being a childless stepmom, infertility, dealing with the ex in a small town, creating and holding boundaries, LGBTQIA2S plus dynamics and strengthening step families through focusing on your relationship with your partner first. Her work has been featured in NPR, Good Morning America, Stepmom Magazine, Step Parent Magazine, She Knows Parenting, Bustle, Romper, Travel Zoo, Baby Center, Stepmomming, Stepmoms with a Z and Parent Map. Beth, welcome to the show. What a great bio. Welcome to the show. We're so happy to have you. I'm so excited to be here. And speaking of hair, I need my stepdaughter to come to you and get tips on curls because that is not my expertise and yours is fabulous. Thank you. This is a wand. And I'm trying ah. to go plat- I'm trying to go platinum like you, which has been a long journey. So it's like fried my natural curly hair. But hey, send her over. I got all the curly hair. I got all the curly hair tips you'll need. Send her my way. We'll do. We'll do. Yes. Perfect. Perfect. Um, so Beth. I really like I'm I'm actually like really interested to hear about this um like ch- this childhood that you that you have to to like a small degree because I I I think that a lot of people 
grow up in step families. You know, I grew up in a step family. I had a stepdad. Um, I didn't have three. Uh, I never had step siblings. And I think that there's like this thought, like, even if you grow up in a step family, you're going to know what to do. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people are like, oh, well, I didn't grow up in a step family. So that's why I don't know how to do it. But even when you do grow up in a step family, you still don't know how to be a step mom, right? Like step mom is right. such a, a nuanced skill. So let's go like, like a way back to like little, little cute four-year-old Beth. Tell me about your childhood. <laughs> I don't have a couch for you to lay on, but tell me about your childhood. <laughs> tell me about little Beth. Yes. Um, so my parents divorced when I was very young, I, like three, four-ish. I have no memory of them being together, um, which I, I always say was a huge benefit to me then and is a huge benefit to me now because that's about how old my stepdaughter was when I met her as well. And, you know, when they don't have like a certain way things were to miss, it's a lot easier to integrate the new family structure. Um, so that was, that was the biggest thing. And then my mom, we moved, you know, we bounced around a little bit and my mom had, I had a stepdad for about 15 years, who was like my core father figure because I lived with my mom, um, primarily. And so I saw my dad every other weekend growing up. It was a very, um, you know, bias towards the mom kind of schedule as court systems can still be, but definitely were when I was growing up, especially here. Um, and so that stepdad, I built a really, really strong relationship with. I never had a stepmom, um, but before him, we lived with a guy, I, I, I call him a stepdad. They weren't married, but I don't think a stepmom needs to be married to call herself a stepmom either. So, um, you know, and he was great. And then my mom married a third time when I was an adult, I think I was 27 when, when she got married and she's still with him and he is my stepdad, but I was already grown. And so I don't necessarily like see him as a parental figure. Um, my relationship with everybody is super complicated. (laughs) Um, but I did realize as a, as an adult that I definitely experienced some alienation uh, from my dad. And I have a lot of clients want to talk about how to help their partners deal with that. And it's difficult to say to them that the kids might not figure it out until they are grown. Cause I, I did not. And I think if I would have been pushed one way or another, it wouldn't have mattered. Um, so that's like the big picture. <laughs> Do you care to share like a little tiny bit about like a specific like memory or occasion that you could like looking back in retrospect, be like, holy shit, that was a hundred percent alienation. Yeah. So, um, you know, my, my mom did not hesitate, especially as I got older to say really negative things about my dad and paint a very clear, um, picture of, of him that, made me angry and made me not like him and made me um, not want to spend time around him. I also, in my early teens, got to choose how often I wanted to go see him. And um, I, I, did, I stopped going. And so that, that gap got really big. Um, I also have very specific memories of being told that he didn't care enough to show up to something and wouldn't come to my activities. And now as an adult, um, as I have grown closer to him, I'm realizing that I think he didn't actually know about a lot of them. I think he just wasn't told. Mm-hmm. 
that's so hard. And it's like, that's, it's, it's unfortunate, but also not, but it's, it's this really amazing, you know, I've had so many full circle moments in my own life since I've become a parent, since I've become a wife, since I've become a step parent. There's so many things that, that the adults did in my life that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me when I was a kid. And like the older I get, the more of these full circle moments come. And I think that it's a really, like you said, it's a really hard piece of advice to receive as a stepmom of like, there's literally nothing you can do except wait for them to be grown. <laughs> like, yes. you know, I don't want to wait for them to be grown. I want to help them now. But like, yeah. And when I was a kid, you know, some stuff felt very simple to me. And um, one of those things was mom, hero, dad, villain. And that, that was simple. It was easy. It felt clean. It guided, that was my compass. Right. And that's how I made a lot of decisions. Um, and I was, you know, a selfish teenager, which is just AKA a teenager. Right. And, and so now looking back as adults, we can see how complex everything is and how complex people are. And there is no hero or villain. And, you know, a lot of the things that I had a lot of loyalty, to my mom for and you know thought that she was just flawless and could do nothing wrong and um and really my dad was just in the background like not wanting to bash her and wanting to give me my space and just really you know he has said to me as an adult a couple of times i should have fought harder i, I wish i would have spoken up i wish i would have done these things but he was just trying to give me the space to to figure things out the best i knew how and i wasn't given the tools to or i was i wouldn't say not given the tools but there was no way for me to figure that out on my own. And arguably, you know, with that paradigm of mom, good, dad, bad, the way that kind of gender roles were super more prevalent when we were kids, arguably, if, if your dad had tried to convince you otherwise, like for lack of a better term, convince you otherwise, or like prove himself. Like there's no telling, there's no saying that it would have worked out in anyone's favor, right? Like it could, you can't tell a teen anything without them wanting to do the opposite. So arguably, you know, that effort might've made things, might've made things a little bit worse in my, like, this is like what, what's coming up in mind anyway, but Oh, for sure. I probably would have gotten angry at him and defended my mom, right? I mean, th this isn't exactly the same scenario, but think about if you have a dynamic where you have um, a best friend and you figure out that her husband is cheating on her, right? And you're like, oh, I should tell her. Right. And and then the friend wants to stay with the guy. And so someone has to be the bad guy though. And so sometimes then that ends up being you. Yeah, absolutely. That is such a good example. Such a good example. Let's fast forward now. Yeah. I'm curious. Did you have a rule? I've met a lot of stepmoms. I'm included in this. Did you have a rule in your adult life that you would not be with a partner who had kids? Was this like a thing for you or were you like open to it? What was your, what was your stance before you got into the relationship that then turned into your marriage? hundred percent, thousand percent. Yes. Um, and not necessarily because of my, relationship with either of my parents, but more so because, so my stepdad, who I mentioned was my, they were married for like 15 years. So he was in my life from when I was, I think like 10 to 20 something. It was, it was a very long time. It was like those core years. And, um, he had a son. So I had a, I had a stepbrother for, for that time. And 
the ex, so my, my ex stepbrother's mom, this is getting a lot of like, I this love person, it. this person, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, was so high conflict. I'm, I'm talking like police involved and restraining orders and courts and, you know, just all, it was like the worst of the worst of the worst. And I was removed a little bit because that didn't like directly affect me, but I saw that play out like a movie in front of me so many times as I was growing up. That's just the only thing I associated. I was like, well, that's just what it's like. And this, there's nothing, there's no situation where this could feel like happy and healthy and blended or anything like that. And so 1000%, I was like, that is not what I want for my life. I cannot have that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But alas, but alas, here we, here we are. are. Here we are. <laughs> so what changed? Like you- The universe was like, oh, that's exactly what we're going to give you then. <laughs> oh, you don't want that? Here you go. And here it is on a platter. Isn't that- This is clearly what you're here to work on in this life. So you're going to do it. <laughs> uh, good sense of humor, universe. I'm convinced that my lesson in this lifetime is, to, is control, is we're going to give you every opportunity to tell you that actually nothing is within your control. Interesting. Also good for you for having that figured out already. (laughs) They might change. Who knows? Who knows? It's never done. The journey's never done. So let's, let's, uh, let's pick at that. Let's pull on that. So you met your wife and she had a daughter, has a daughter. And that rule went out the window. Tell me how that went. She was also a she, right? And that was new to me as well. Um, so everything I had sort of like pictured in my life for what my future would be like totally flew off the window when, um, not when I met her, but when I realized that my love for her was the different, was not bestie love, that it was like romantic love. What did you Um, think your life was? I'm just going to interrupt you for a second. What did you think that your life was like? What was your fairy tale vision? Like when I grew up, this is what my life is going to be. What was that? Ah, oh, I mean, it was a tall, dark, and handsome man, and a couple of kids, and a white picket fence, and you know, like very granola life, right? I mean, I've always been really career driven, so I, um, I never, I, I never felt the need to like I want to have a million kids and and stay home and and do you know I have such tremendous respect for that that I definitely knew that I was, I'm super career driven, but I always was like, yeah, I'm going to have kids. Yeah. I'm going to, you know, marry this gorgeous guy and we're going to have this super nice house and this big yard, you know, like all that, what society tells tells you you you're supposed to want. Yes. Yes. Entirely. So then you met your wife (laughs) and that all went out the window. Tell (laughs) us about this love story. Yeah. So we were, um, we were besties. So we, she started working at the company I worked at probably six months or so after I started. And we went to some happy hours and got to know each other. And, you know, and I passed documents off to her every once in a while and we got really tight and I saw her the same way I saw, you know, my sorority sisters in college, like just, we were very close. And, um, she was in her relationship with her ex at the time. I was with a guy at the time. I had been with him for seven years. Um, so I never thought of it any other way, right? Like that was just, these were our lives. There just was never anything that I, that crossed my mind. 
Um, I didn't let myself go there, I guess, especially because she was a she. And I just didn't know that I had the capacity. Um, I didn't know what the gender, gender or, or, um, or sex were a barrier, uh, were not a barrier for me when it came to attraction. Um, and so basically our relationships ended and we were there for each other through that. And uh, I don't even remember what it was about now, but we got into an argument. We had a big blowout and we didn't talk for like three days. And I very specifically remember being in the shower and just sobbing about this and realizing like, oh, these aren't normal, like my besties upset with me tears. Like these are, I'm in love with this person and we've heard each other tears. And so that was when the whole game changed. Oh, wow. What a memory. What a vivid memory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing. And so your rule of like, cause you obviously knew she had a daughter at this point. You knew she was going through a divorce. You were going through this breakup, like a bunch of, a bunch of, and a, and a emotional whirlpool by the sounds of things. What was your like early blending experience? Like, like sounds to me like you had like a coming out story at the same time as a blending story at the same time as like all of this other stuff is happening. So this sounds like a really, um, for lack of a better term, transformative (laughs) time in your life, right? Like everything that you thought that you were in your identity was now up in the air, totally different, flipped on its head. Like I can't, I can't, I have like anxiety thinking about, (laughs) about how like you're, you literally just like stepped out of your identity entirely. And you're like, I'm this new person. Yes. Um, holy shit. So, so what was that like internal experience like for you? You know, it's funny because there's a very big part of me. It was kind of freeing in in some ways because it was my whole life changed because those two things are just really big. And so part of me was just like, ah, fuck it. Let's just do this whole like world life thing from scratch and just figure it out. And so that was, that was freeing because it did, it then felt to me like, well, there are no rules, so I can actually just do whatever I want. So that felt really good. At the same time though, I definitely had a crisis of like, who am I? What am I? Um, am I gay? I don't, I didn't have labels for myself. I grew up in a very rural area and um, there wasn't, I wasn't even familiar with terminology or that people even, you know, you're, you're gay or you're straight or you're this or you're that. And there, you know, was no spectrum presented to me. I didn't see um, the type of of person that I am attracted to that I realized around me at all. And so I just felt really confused. And then you start to blend your family. And then I got even more confused because I was like, well, gender roles, right? Like I'm supposed to do mom things, but there's already mom here. And what the heck am I in charge of? And you know, what's my job? What shoes am I filling? Um, And so the biggest turning point for me was when I finally figured out, like, I just get to actually decide what this looks like for myself. And I, and you know, like, this is like, this is a universal experience, no matter who your partner is when you become a stepmom, because there is this underlying assumption that because I'm a woman, I'm supposed to take on the mom role, but the stepmom role and the mother role are not the same thing. It's not the same position. It's not the same job description. It's not the same. And, and I love what you said about having to create create this role based on what worked for you in your life because no matter who you are no matter how many stepkids you have no matter if your partner's ex is dead or alive involved or not involved 
you are the only person who can create that stepmom role for yourself. And it's not, not saying it's easy, not being like, duh, why haven't you created your stepmom role? (laughs) We don't know that, right? Like, obviously we don't know that or we would be doing it, but it's so interesting, the universality of it. And that whole, that whole like identity crisis is like universal with becoming a stepmom because it's like, who am I? Where do I fit in this picture? What am I allowed to do and not allowed to do? How can I develop, how can I build X, Y, and Z relationships with these people? The whole shebang is so confusing. Mm -hmm. I like to compare it to cookies when you're making cookies, right? Like uh, we think that say, they, they were a cookie recipe, like that, that original family and say, you know, my stepdaughter's other mom was, so they're making oatmeal cookies and she's the oats. Well, now, you know, the oats are no longer present in this house. That doesn't mean that I'm oats, right? Like I'm a different ingredient and now we have to make our own cookie. (laughs) Does that sound silly? No, I love it. That doesn't mean I'm oats. Yeah. You're not oats. What are you? Damn it. Like, okay. All right. I can see it. I can see it. I can see it. That is a fantastic analogy. I'm going to have to borrow that. I'll kill free. I'll give you credit. I love it. So in kind of the, in kind of what I've observed through my work with stepmoms, I've kind of discovered that there's like two camps of, of stepmoms. There seems to be the camp of stepmom that has trouble bonding with the kids and the camp of stepmom that has a big conflict with the ex-partner. It seems to be typically more one than the other. I know some people have both and some people have neither and that's fantastic. Nothing, none of those experiences are better or worse, right or wrong. It just, it's just what I've observed. I'm wondering, you know, which of those camps apply more to you and your experience? Uh, I would say it has shifted from one to the other as time has gone on. Um, I never had a drastic issue with either, but in the early days, I had no trouble bonding with my stepdaughter. Um, I had met her a few times before, before my wife and I got together. So it was, you know, we were familiar with each other and I took it slow and I really just focused on trying to be somebody, be myself, but also like be somebody that she likes separately from the role I was about to become. So I tried to just keep it very casual and connect with her. Um, you know, she was young, right. When you met, she was young, right. Yeah. She was great. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Fun. Um, yeah, it was, it was fun and just very low pressure. Right. And we took, my wife was amazing about the whole thing. And I remember, uh, we had a neighbor who, um, is practically like a sister to my wife and she had an apartment right across the lot. And my wife always said to me, uh, you can, the first time that you stay the night here, I want it to be, I want, um, me and my stepdaughter, I want her to invite you. Like, don't, I don't want you to stay here until she asks you to stay. Um, and so I, I would stay until, you know, pretty later until, you know, she went to bed or whatever. And I would go to the friend's house um, because I lived like 45 minutes away at that point And she would let me sleep there. And then I would come back over the next day and I'd be like, I came for breakfast, you know, it'd be this very, but so I spent nights over there and I always had like a backpack just in case. And then it just kind of happened um, super organically. And now that she's getting older, so she's almost 10, we still have a really, really great relationship, but our 
I have tried to, I was really, really active in um, everything in the beginning and I burnt myself out really early on. And so we still have a really great bond, um, but I'm trying to figure out like where it makes sense for me to back off a little bit though, too. Currently you're speaking like yes. read, re, like redefining the involvement now that she's like entering adolescence and this looks a little bit different than when she's a kid who doesn't have much of an opinion. <laughs> yeah. Especially because it, I used to get really upset over the fact that I didn't have, um, the weight that is in, in making decisions, right. Education, medical, you know, all this stuff, like my wife very much cares about my opinion and it, and it matters a lot, but you know, ultimately it's not my, it's not my say. And so those decisions were either already made or need to be made between, between them. And I used to have a really hard time with that. And I don't want to say would start to resent my stepdaughter, but definitely feel like, well, I do all this stuff and we're so close and I should get to decide these things. And so for my own mental health had to kind of like put, put our dynamic in a position where I no longer felt that way. And this is a really also common experience that stepmoms have, right? Like when we're giving with the expectation of getting something in return, we're always going to have that feeling of like, well, I'm doing so much for you. And why don't you love me? Blah, 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 blah. Like when our intentions yes. of giving are not pure, when we're not giving unconditionally, like this comes up all of the time. And, and I think that there's this, like an assumption that one day you like get there one day you arrive as a step parent and everything's like tickety boo and everything's going to be fine, but it's never, this work is never done. This role yeah. definition is never complete just because you've defined it once doesn't mean that it's defined forever. Relationships are always changing and growing and evolving. And it's like, you think you've got it all figured out and then everything changes. Yeah. Right? And, like, and, and I think that's how it, it goes hand in hand with the relationship that I and we had with my wife's, my wife's ex in the beginning, because um, there was a lot of conflict and so a lot of separation there. And so it was very much like, an us versus them kind of thing. And so like the parenting was really separated. So I was like really actively involved in, you know, with my wife making certain decisions and like, who cares what they say, you know, it, it was very divided. And now that our co-parenting dynamic is healthier, I find myself being able to be like, you guys got this, you know, and just like being a lot more like freely able to like, just let them communicate and let them handle things. And I don't feel so attached because there's not a butting of heads. Right. That's fair. Um, how, how were you just in a nutshell, how were you able the million dollar question? How were you able to move this co-parenting dynamic from something that was super high conflict and arguably like more parallel parenting toward actually having a co-parenting relationship? What was that melting pot like for you guys? Mm -hmm. I always like to preface this to say that this is 1 million percent not possible for everybody, right? Like, I don't ever want anybody to listen to this and feel like uh, not valuable or that they're not doing enough or that something's wrong with them because this is not a feasible um, out outcome because a lot of it depends on that other person too. Um, I give a ton of credit to my wife's ex for um, doing a lot of internal work and personal work and and accepting me and deciding that you know to move on with everything as a unit and um doing a lot of work on her own 
there was also a shift when she repartnered with someone who made her very makes her very happy. I think you know if you're a happy, healthy person, then you're not gonna. There's not gonna be a lot of conflict because usually hurt people hurt people, and so some of that you know changed on its own of time over time. A lot of that work was hers, and then the rest of it was me coming to terms that with the fact that she doesn't have to like me. Um, I think she does now, but resigning myself to the fact that if she never does, that's okay. I was trying really, really hard in the early days to just be so perfect. And why well, do this? And I'm this way. And why doesn't she like me? And I just want to love her daughter and all this stuff. And it, I had to realize that I'm not sure I would like me either if I were her at considering everything. And she decided to raise a child with a very specific person. And that person was not me. And then she didn't get a choice when I came into the picture that she then had to share her child with me. That's a lot to deal with. A lot to deal with. I love that you gave her, I love that you gave her so much credit there. Um, And, uh, and I, I really am, I'm really, really, really wanting listeners if you're like, this is never going to happen for us. I really, I just want to sh- share this story. I've have a, a friend who sent me uh, like a video of like Glennon Doyle and Abby talking, my about, talking about, yeah, they're fantastic. Talking about their co-parenting relationship though. And, and Glennon's ex-husband just being, they just, they're all like a, a unit, right? They function in this way that I think a lot of people assume is like the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And if I just do these certain steps in a certain way, we'll be able to get there too. And, and so my friend sent me this like video of them talking about their, their co-parenting dynamic. And she's like, essentially saying, you know, this is, this is what all step families should, should strive for. Right. Like this is all what everyone should try to do. And I was like, it's, you know, I don't want to distract from the beauty of this co-parenting dynamic that they've been able to develop, but it's so unrealistic for the vast majority of step families that it's like, when we see examples like this, it almost like creates shame because it's like, what am I doing wrong? I'm trying so hard. All I want is what's best for the kids. I just want to raise a good person. I just want to be this ex-partner's friend. What am I doing wrong as the stepmom? And and while it's like incredible to see these examples, listener, I really need you to hear me. If it's not happening for you, that's okay. And like Beth said at the beginning, you know, like it's not realistic for everybody to get to this place. It's not realistic for a lot of people to move from parallel parenting to co-parenting. It's not realistic to expect your partner's ex or your partner even to go to therapy. It's not realistic. And and there's this also this thing that comes up a lot with, with my own clients of like, it's not fair that I as the stepmom am the only person in this dynamic who's doing the work. It's not fair that I'm the only one going to therapy. It's not fair that I'm the only one that's, I'm in the stepmom story and what are they doing, right? Like, what would you what would you say back to that stepmom who's like it's not fair that I'm the only person doing the work the ex isn't doing the work my spouse isn't doing the work the kids aren't in therapy I'm the only one doing this work and it's not fair what would you say back to that Beth oh, that's 
that's a tough question for me. Um, I mean, first of all, I would hold space and validate their feelings, right? It doesn't feel fair. Um, it doesn't feel fair when you are growing and feel like you're doing all the right. It's like um, feeling like you've studied for a test and then you still failed it, right? I mean, there's so much shame and, and guilt that goes along with that. But um, I, th I think that I would say you've, you've got to change what your goal is um, because the end result and the, the finish line is much more about being proud of what you've done and who you are and what you've put into the dynamic and into the relationship than it is about their journey. Their journey is their journey. And so continuing to attach success to something that is not completely contingent on what's in, within your control is it's, that's, that's setting yourself up to fail. And in reality, a dynamic like, you know, like Glennon and Abby's and, and their co-parents or, um, you know, in some ways like mine is actually the most unhealthy thing a lot of stepmoms can do. It's not good for, for people to swallow certain kinds of pain or to compromise their boundaries for the sake of getting along with somebody um, that there, there are some compromises that you don't have to make, um, that you might think you do just to reach this certain outcome because your finish line is not, is not, and should not look the same as everybody else's. Mm -hmm. So good. Yeah, thanks for letting me put you on the spot there. Well, that was intense. Yeah. <laughs> you nailed it. It was great. I loved it. I loved it. Um, I just want to like quickly, I'm going to shift gears a little tiny bit. Um, I know that you've shared a little bit about this or a lot bit about this, about your journey with like trying to adopt and, and infertility and all of that sort of really from my lens right now, painful sort of things. Do you mind sharing a little bit about your experience, um, from this place? I know that you're in like a, a you're in a good place with it now but what was your what was this journey like for you like just wanting a child with your wife and and it just not working like not working for you no matter what you what you seem to do can you share that about a bit about that for us yeah absolutely so I have been that had been my my finish line right that was my goal um from the very beginning because I attached and then, so I'll preface this by saying what one of the things that I have realized is that the reason that I wanted to have a baby um, was not was not necessarily the right reason. So I saw that as a solution to a lot of the other issues with blending that I was experiencing because I was like, well, I won't care about all this other stuff if I have my own baby to focus on. And so my. Um, that was the, that was the primary thing that I wanted. And I wanted for a lot of other reasons too. You know, I wanted to share that with my wife. I wanted to know what it feels like to be pregnant. You know, there was all of the, all of the things that most of us feel when we, when we take that journey, I was feeling. And, um, I knew going into it that it was going to be a process because we're both women and it automatically is our, um, you know, our healthcare system is such that it's very expensive um, for two women to do this because it automatically involves a lot of science and a lot of doctors and, and procedures and, um, purchasing sperm and things like that. So, um, I also, I, but I, for some reason thought that it was going to be very easy for me. I thought this was going to be like the one thing I had this sort of like, all right, universe, God, whoever, 
Like, this is going to be my thing. Like, this is going to be the thing that I get to have that's easy. Um, and so when it wasn't, I got really angry for a while because I thought, why can't I just have this? Um, and, and so it, it took me a, a lot of time. I, and I probably, I probably could, but I got to a point to where I had to decide if continuing that journey was worth sacrificing the quality of life and the quality of my marriage and the, like what I have right now. Right. Um, because we got to a point to where we were going to need to switch from doing um, IUIs every month to IVF, mm -hmm. which is really hard um, and costs a lot of money. And it's just so it's a lot of appointments. And it's just, a, I'm sure a lot of people listening have gone through that. And yeah, it's so much. And so when we got that news, we thought, okay, well, we'll be back whenever we have the money, when it feels right, like we'll start that. And so in the meantime, we got certified to foster and adopt because I was just, I was full on. I was like, this is going to happen. I don't, you know, if, even if I don't carry a baby, like we're getting one. And so we, we went through that process. We had a placement that was um, pretty traumatic. So the kids that we had with us were, um, we were an emergency placement for them on their way to like a more permanent therapeutic home because they had experienced a lot of trauma. And we are, if we weren't a family that was qualified, you know, to, to be there for them in that way, but we kept them safe for about four days in the meantime. And it was after that happened that I had this total meltdown and I thought, I'm not sure that I wanna keep doing all of this. Um, this has been the focal point of my whole marriage, of everything. And I am losing sight of all of these amazing things that make me happy. And what would it be like if I just focused on, you know, putting your extra money toward a vacation or getting my stepdaughter a new bicycle or, you know, just uh, taking, you know, doing things with my wife and just focusing on being married and loving my partner and enjoying like the 50% time that we have to focus on each other. And what if, what if that became something that I decided to let go? How would that feel? Um, and that led to a lot of existential stuff about why I wanted a baby in the first place, right? Yeah. What, what, is the, what does the word mother mean to me? What does parenthood mean to me? How do, do I feel like I'm enough, you know, as is? Do I want a baby because I do want a baby or because society has told me that I need a baby, right? Like all that stuff. And I'm still sorting through it, but I'm getting closer to, if, if there is an element of, of freedom from the fact that like, a decision has been made. It was this like, how long do I let this drag out before I just decide what to do? That was a long answer. Sorry. Oh, it's fantastic. I'm just trying to collect myself a little bit because like it brought some, it brought some big feelings up for me right now. So I'm trying to choke back a few little tears, but like those, those existential questions are, are, are so important. We actually, in the story this afternoon, our guest expert that we have coming in, um, is a, a womb healer, a Reiki womb healer. And she helps women heal their energies specifically related to their wombs and childbirth and all of that. So she's coming into our group to host that for us and, and hold that like energetic clearing. So, um, you know, this is all, this is all very much in, in my world right now. And these questions of, of, you know, why not me? And, 
why was why was she good enough to get a baby and I'm not right why were why were they good enough to have a baby with but I'm not what's wrong with my body all of these things that come up when we as women struggle with our fertility all of the worth that we place on ourselves as women to be the vessel from which life comes from. And it's so socially ingrained in us that even when you're super aware, even when you are super conscious, it doesn't change how ingrained it's like written in our bones, the way that we feel about it. So yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, all of that, why, why is that, why did that happen for them? Why was that so easy for them? I mean, so my stepdaughter was adopted at birth and, um, you know, I had a lot of feelings around like that process was magically easy for them. Like my stepdaughter basically got dropped into their laps. It was, I mean, when, when they tell the story, it's, it's beautiful and magical. And, you know, if, if you are not a believer in like fate and karma and, you know, all that stuff, it was, it's very much like, no, this tiny human was put in this family. Like there's just, it was very specific. And that was one of the biggest things I struggled with was like, why did that get to be so easy for you? Like what's, what's wrong here? Right. Sure. Yeah. Fair question. And man, it goes to the circles all the way back to what you said at the beginning about how your life lesson <laughs> is about control, control. And relinquishing control. Like ain't that the truth? Yeah. <laughs> oh. If there was like a piece of advice that you could go back in time and tell yourself, like when you were a brand new stepmom in this relationship, what's your like number, the number one thing that you wish you would have known or lived your life by back then? Um, you know, that saying, and I actually think I've seen it, um, I think I've seen you say it before as well, that the, that the days are long, but the years are, are short. Um, it would definitely be that I would tell myself this moment that you're in right now, this thing that feels really hard and this, or this pain that you feel like isn't going to end or this conflict you feel like you're never going to get through feels so big and it is big and honor that it's big, but please know that it's going that that life is just a constantly moving flowing body of water and it will pass and there's something beautiful on the other side so just hang in there mm -hmm. i have a tattoo across my ribs that says that this too shall pass because it's yeah feels so big in the moment some of these things yes. feel so big and sometimes it goes on for a long time you're like okay here's my white flag i'm ready for this to be over now but eventually it will be yeah. yeah. And I, and so that the other thing I would add to that would be, um, when that's happening, right. When you're in the middle of the storm, don't focus on trying to fix what's going on around you. Focus on figuring out how you can be at peace in the middle of it because you don't know what's going to happen. And so how can you find joy when things feel really shitty? Sure. Sure. Ultimate ninja status when that can, when you get, when yes. that happens. Tell me when you fully figure it out, right? <laughs> yeah. Bottle it up and sell it to me, please. And thank you very much. Yeah. Is there anything else, Beth, that you'd like to share with 
are amazing listeners. It's been such a great interview. I'm loving it all so much. So anything else you want to share with us, our gals? I don't think so. I'm so happy to be here. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Not unless you have any other questions for me. Okay. If, if our listeners want to stalk you on social. Yes. Um, to find you. I should probably do that whole promo thing, huh? Um, promo shameless <laughs> self-promotion hit us up. Shameless plug here. Um, my website is the inclusive Stepmom. And that is my handle on most social media as well. Um, I favor Instagram. That's where I like to, to hang out. I find it super easy to connect with people that way. So if you want some like live time, that's where I spend most of it. Okay. Awesome. I'll make sure to link those up in the show notes for you. Thank you, Thank you so much again, Beth. It's been a, a real slice. Thanks for talking about some really hard stuff and you're just a, such an amazing person. So thank you for Thanks being here. We appreciate it. I wanted to let you know about a special online mini training that I'm offering for free for a limited time. It's called Peace, Love, Stepmom. And not to toot my own horn, but beep, beep, it's pretty freaking awesome. Peace Love Stepmom will give you the exact steps to take in order to create more harmony in your stepfamily without feeling like you have to walk on eggshells or bite your tongue or ignore your own needs just to keep the peace. Because if you are listening to this, then chances are pretty good that you know there's a big difference between not fighting and actually feeling peaceful. To enroll in Peace Love Stepmom and get immediate access to this incredible online course, head to peacelovestepmom.com and sign up. It's totally free. You don't want to miss it. So go to peacelovestepmom.com to enroll and get immediate access. I hope this episode got your wheels turning and showed you just how powerful you are. I would invite you to take 30 seconds and tap subscribe to this podcast. When you subscribe to the podcast, then rest assured you will never miss an episode. And in no time, spinning your wheels will be a thing of the past. Thank you for listening and subscribing. And if you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the absolute world to me if after you subscribed, you jumped on over and left me a five-star review and better yet, a written review. I am on a mission to let every mom and stepmom know that you can create the life of your dreams. And I need your help to change the world. The world needs us. Thank you so much for subscribing and leaving me a five-star review. I will see you next week. For more behind the scenes action and to get really up close and personal with me and our beautiful step family, jump on over to Instagram and follow me at the step queen. Don't be shy. Send me a DM, tag me in your posts, tag me in your stories. Let me know what you're up to and what about the podcast has been blowing your mind. I cannot wait to get to know you better. And Instagram is my jam. I love you so much. I love you so much. Make it rain, girlfriend.